0: Dear friends, welcome to Keep the Faith Ministry once again. Today we're going to investigate the continuing rise of the Holy Roman Empire. I have been following this development for many years. If you want to understand what I've said on the incredible progress of the Catholic power and influence in the past, Get my powerful series called Prophetic Secrets of the New World Order. Today, we're going to look at the events that have shaped Europe both anciently and today. Let us pray. Dear Father in Heaven, thank you for your word. It provides an anchor to the soul in these troublous times. It helps us to sort out what is happening in the geopolitical sphere as well as in our personal lives. Please help us today. Join us as we investigate the fulfillment of prophecy in our times. Send your Holy Spirit so that he can give us insights into prophecy in Scripture. In Jesus' name, amen. Let us begin our study today with Revelation thirteen one to 3 And I stood upon the sand of the sea, and saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and upon his horns ten crowns, and upon his heads the name of blasphemy. And the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard, And his feet were as the feet of a bear, and his mouth as the mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave him his power, and his seat, and great authority. And I saw one of his heads, as it were, wounded to death. And his deadly wound was healed. And all the world wondered after the beast. This beast, for many years, had the appearance of passivity and kindness, but one day soon it will emerge, or rather re-emerge, as a powerful and abusive beast again. Amazingly, this beast is resurrecting right now, slowly but surely, so as not to alarm the public. Secular people would strongly resist, and Protestants with a memory would also react negatively to it. So it has to work by stealth and in secret. It must not get its fingerprints on the developments, but it must nevertheless orchestrate its emergence from the political underground. So it works behind the scenes to accomplish its mission. Listen to this statement from Great Controversy, page 581. God's word has given warning of the impending danger. Let this be unheeded, and the Protestant world will learn what the purposes of Rome really are, only when it is too late to escape the snare. She is silently growing into power. Her doctrines are exerting their influence in legislative halls, in the churches, and in the hearts of men. She is piling up her lofty and massive structures in the secret recesses of which Her former persecutions will be repeated. Stealthily and unsuspectedly, she is strengthening her forces to further her own ends when the time shall come for her to strike. All that she desires is vantage ground, and this is already being given her. We shall soon see and shall feel what the purpose of the Roman element is. Whoever shall believe and obey the word of God will thereby incur reproach and persecution. There is a hidden hand guiding the nations toward resurgence of the Holy Roman Empire. Have you noticed it? This hidden hand cannot be identified by observation. Only by the word of God can it be seen and understood. Do you know who Edward Habsburg is? Probably not. He is Hungarian and is archduke of Austria. He is a diplomat and is currently Hungary's ambassador to the Holy See. He is a practicing Catholic, of course, and he's well connected with the papacy. I like you to notice what he wrote Empires have gotten something of a bad rap lately. Well, there's a lot of reasons posited for it, and he has his own. He thinks an empire is a good thing. He thinks that Europe should be a union under the Roman Catholic Church, as the empire was traditionally. He is working to resurrect and restore the Holy Roman Empire. It's more than a nostalgic feeling. The Habsburgs ruled the empire from the 13th century to 1918, which was considered the Dark Ages. Well, that's nearly 650 years. It's over half the 1260 year prophecy. Habsburg lands stretched from Portugal to Poland, from the Balkans to the Atlantic, and stretched throughout South America. The Habsburgs were kept in power by their allegiance to the Roman Catholic Church, who saw them as rulers who would enforce and defend Roman Catholic policies. They loved the Roman Catholic Church. Their identity was and is Catholic, and they worked to promote her and defend her for many centuries— as the empire's rulers. Edward Habsburg recently wrote a book extolling the Holy Roman Empire in the most glowing terms. It is called The Habsburg Way, Seven Rules for Turbulent Times. It is obvious that he is longing for the empire to rise again. He downplayed all the horrible cruelties under the Habsburgs, which they did for the church, and elevated Catholicism as the best solution for man's political problems. Not only were these Habsburg rulers strong Roman Catholics, they ruled the empire with the intention to forcefully promote and defend it under Catholicism. They saw their rule as divinely ordained, And this is more important to understand today than ever. As America's leaders have become corrupted by power and money, and the country is in decline, the mood is right for praising the empire and casting it as a better system of government in contrast to American political corruption. The late Otto von Habsburg, who died in 1999, was the last reigning monarch of the Austro-Hungarian Empire. Though he was only a titular monarch over a non-existent empire, he was very strongly working for the European Union to become Catholic. The old Holy Roman Empire was his model. Holy, which means Catholic, Roman, which means European, and empire, which means a tyrannical dictatorship once again. The House of Habsburg has given up all notions of being rulers again, but they have not given up the idea of a Holy Roman Empire. They see the hidden hand coordinating and working to bring the European Union to a place where it becomes the replacement or the revitalization of the Holy Roman Empire. But nostalgia for the old ways of the Habsburg's Holy Roman Empire is growing in Europe that has such a historical legacy. Think tanks, politicians, and academics are growing more and more eager to unearth, repair, and rebuild it. The Holy Roman Empire is emerging bit by bit from the ruins. In his book, The Habsburg Way, Edward Habsburg advocates the revival of the values of the Habsburg dynasty. He says that the Holy Roman Empire is dormant, but still very much alive today. And of course, he is right. He says that what Europeans need is a real overarching leadership that embodies traditional European values. Someone like an emperor who reminded the people of the things that united them. While there were different nations in the empire, Christianity... That timeless idea of empire and the person of the emperor himself were the unifying principles. Of course, by Christianity, he means Roman Catholicism. Who does he think could be the emperor? Well, the only overarching person that could rise to the stature needed to meet the requirements he identifies is the Pope. He wouldn't write that book the Habsburg way if he didn't think it would be well received. In other words, he and other Habsburgs are pushing for a resurrection of the Holy Roman Empire with the Pope again at the head. They love the Roman Church and since the Habsburgs are spread all over Europe, it's not unthinkable. Ambrose Evans Pritchard wrote in the Daily Telegraph, June 15, 2023, the idea of empire as an organizing form of politics is enjoying a rehabilitation in Brussels. He also said that some want a muscular, sovereign Europe to match China and America. Well, that means a military build-up with capabilities on the level of China and America, both of which have enormous military resources. With world government leaders' proclivity for surveillance, censorship, and control, the idea of empire also raises dystopian images of the Inquisition, which was almost as enduring as the Habsburgs. The Spanish Inquisition alone existed more than 300 years from 1478 to 1834. They don't want to talk about that. But there is one more element. The element is culture. Europe is in love with its culture. Since 2018, thousands of cultural events celebrating the cultures of Europe have been hosted. Karl Theodor zu Gutenberg, former German defense minister, said, When we are not ready to love our culture, then others will start to define our culture. He was speaking of the massive invasion of Muslim refugees in Germany that were unable to integrate into the culture of the Germans. It can't be our goal to leave that which grew over the centuries and which is seen in church towers, which is seen in the club culture, which is grown in the Christian, Jewish, Western society, to others that come into us. Gutenberg is calling for Germans to defend their culture, especially its religion. That religion is a state religion. It was the Roman Catholic religion. The empire was held together by the church, and the Habsburgs defended the church from every threat, including the threat of the Reformation. Charles V was a member of the House of Habsburg, and he was determined to stamp out the Reformation if he could. By the 6th century, the papacy was established. However, it did not control the masses yet. But the hidden hand was at work. Once the papacy had gained a foothold in Europe and established herself in Rome, then persecution could begin. Charlemagne lived at the end of the 8th century and... The beginning of the ninth he created the circumstances which led to the Habsburgs becoming the rulers of the Holy Roman Empire, in other words, he laid the foundation of the enduring Habsburg dynasty. in the words of great controversy, page fifty four we read what happened. Christians were forced to choose either to yield their integrity and accept the papal ceremonies and worship, or to wear away their lives in dungeons or suffer death by the rack, the faggot, or the headsman's axe. Now were fulfilled the words of Jesus, Ye shall be betrayed both by parents and brethren and kinsfolks, and friends, and some of you shall they cause to be put to death. And ye shall be hated of all men, for my name's sake. Luke twenty one sixteen and 17. Persecution opened upon the faithful with greater fury than ever before, and the world became a vast battlefield. For hundreds of years, the Church of Christ found refuge in seclusion and obscurity. Thus says the prophet, The woman fled into the wilderness, where she hath a place prepared of God, that they should feed her there a thousand two hundred and threescore days. Revelation 12.6 Charlemagne is celebrated today by the Catholic Church. For example, a week-long festival featuring Charlemagne, or Charles the Great, Who United Europeans Through War, Extermination, or Conversion to the Roman Catholic Church on Pain of Death was held at the Aachen Cathedral in 2018. And every year, a prestigious award called the Carl's Prize is awarded to some important person who was especially useful in doing something to promote European unity. In 2023, the Karl's Prize was awarded to Volodymyr Zelensky, probably because he is trying to get into the European Union. Rome is behind this. The war in Ukraine is about a dispute between branches of the Orthodox Church. Zelensky is fighting for something that the Catholic Church wants. A larger European Union that it will eventually dominate the significance of the Carls Prize or the Charlemagne Award reveals the enormous importance of Charlemagne to the Roman Catholic Church while Justinian laid the foundation for the Holy Roman Empire by his decrees in five thirty two and five thirty three and defeating the Ostrogoths in five thirty eight Charlemagne, or Charles the Great, was the dictator king of the Franks from 768 to 814 AD that united Europe under the religion of the Roman Catholic Church. This led to great bloodshed of those who were faithful to the Bible and the teachings of Jesus. His predecessor, Clovis I, king of the Franks, was the first Roman Catholic king in Europe. He defeated the Visigoths in 508, which began the 1290-year period of prophecy of the Book of Daniel. Aachen was the favorite residence of Charlemagne, and for a time it was the political center of Europe. It was the place of coronation of medieval kings particularly German kings, who were the strongest leaders of the Holy Roman Empire. The sponsors of the Karl's Prize, the city of Aachen, refer to Charlemagne as the founder of Western culture, meaning Roman Catholic culture, and assert that under his reign, the city of Aachen was once the spiritual and political center of the whole of what is now Europe, As you can see, this city has deep Roman Catholic symbolism to Europe. Without Charlemagne, Rome would not have had the strength or the power that it held from the 9th century onward for hundreds of years. Charlemagne is seen as the role model for later emperors of the Holy Roman Empire, and the emperors continued to forcibly support the Roman Catholic Church. Meanwhile, the church gradually wrapped her arms around the empire, and by stratagem, they controlled those who became its rulers. Rome then used the state to enforce her principles, doctrines, and decrees upon the people. Rome became rich and increased with goods, including the souls of men. Let's read it from Revelation 18, 12 and 13 the merchandise of gold and silver and precious stones and of pearls and fine linen and purple and silk and scarlet and all thyene wood and all manner of vessels of ivory and all manner vessels of most precious wood and of brass and iron and marble and cinnamon and odors and ointments, and frankincense, and wine, and oil, and fine flour, and wheat, and beasts, and sheep, and horses, and chariots, and slaves, and souls of men. Obviously, at the end of time, Rome will still be trafficking in such merchandise. She uses her spiritual status to great advantage, She works behind the scenes to make herself wealthy, and by working with the merchants of the earth, and since she is so well connected, she is growing in power and respect. Don't expect Rome to go out easily. It will take the supernatural power of God to do so. This time, instead of merely trying to rebuild the Holy Roman Empire, Rome is aiming for the whole world. Turn with me in your Bibles to Revelation 13, verse 4, and you'll see what I mean. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him, whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Otto the Great is considered to be the founder of the Holy Roman Empire. He died in 973 AD. He was not just a regular and insignificant ruler of Europe. It is said that he is historically as important as Charlemagne. The Magyars, or the tribe that became the Hungarians, had been pillaging and plundering and murdering for decades. Otto the Great united the European tribes in the fight against the Magyars. He is said to have wielded the Holy Lance against the wild hordes in 955. This weapon is now on display at Vienna's treasury and is said to contain a nail from the cross of Christ. Of course, that's preposterous, but the weapon is a symbol of what Otto did for Roman Catholic Europe, wielding the sword to bring everyone in submission to the church. He is lauded as the head of the whole world. Germany especially became the center of the political empire, while Rome became the spiritual center. Why is America in decline? It is because Rome has to bring America to its knees before it can use it as a tool to oppress and control in the world. And the Bible tells us in Revelation thirteen eleven through 17, that America will have the same persecuting power that Rome had. Therefore, America can't be a weak nation when that time comes. In fact, America will become the political center of the earth, while Rome becomes this spiritual center again. Let's read it. And I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb, and he spake as a dragon. And he exercises all the power of the first beast before him, and causes the earth and them which dwell therein to worship the first beast, whose deadly wound was healed. And he doeth great wonders, so that he maketh fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men, and deceiveth them that dwell on the earth by the means of those miracles which he had power to do in the sight of the beast saying to them that dwell on the earth that they should make an image to the beast, which had the wound by the sword and did live. And he had power to give life to the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. And he causeth all both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads, and that no man might buy or sell, save he that had the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. If America is going to be able to do all that, she cannot be a weak nation. America is going to rise again, Don't look at the current political leaders or the current economic plight for guidance into the future. They are only working in the present to fulfill the intentions of the hidden hand and, of course, for their own benefit. Maximilian and Leopold were also of the House of Habsburg. These dictators have been celebrated and extolled as great examples of leadership, yet they were cruel tyrants. And at their behest, in cooperation with the Catholic Church, millions of people lost their lives as persecution continued against the Church and against God's true people. In 2019, Austria celebrated the Maximilian year to honor the 500th anniversary of the death of the Holy Roman Empire, Maximilian I, a cruel and despotic emperor. His death was on January 12, 1519, and of course the Catholic Church was involved with the Austrian authorities to organize more than 100 celebratory masses and other events. Austria hosted a special exposition, The Emperor's New Saint, Maximilian I, and Margrave Leopold III, in times of changing media. This exposition explained how Maximilian I venerated Leopold III, who lived from 1073 to 1136 as ruler of Austria. The veneration of canonized rulers as patron saints of the Habsburg lands was not only a statement of piety, but also an intensely political affair. The ruling monarch saw himself as a successor of the saints, whose reliquies served as attributes at the ruler's accession as a sign of legitimate Divinely Ordained Sovereignty This insight from the history of the Holy Roman Empire explains a lot about why European leaders honor past emperors. They think God ordained these ancient emperors to rule on behalf of the Catholic faith. The veneration of Leopold III had a lot to do with how much power Maximilian had. The more that Leopold was venerated, the more powerful and violent the empire became in confrontations with opponents and enemies, which included Muslims, Turks, Jews, and especially Protestant reformers. Edward Habsburg said Leopold I was the pinnacle of the Catholic faith in Habsburg lands. The Habsburgs may appear as if they have disappeared from the stage of action, but they haven't. They are still around, and they are working to resurrect the days of peril for God's people again. And days of peril are ahead for God's people when the values and principles of the Catholic Church as promoted by the Habsburgs rise up and persecute God's true people again. Rome used the emperors as civil rulers to carry out their wishes in the empire, and Maximilian and other emperors were brutal and violent toward these groups. Even with this history, many of Europe's leaders, especially those of Germany, still want to see a restoration of the Catholic faith as the ruling power of Europe. Can you imagine what that will bring to modern Europe and the world as Rome regains her power? After all, it would be in Europe's interest to see Rome's rulership extended to the rest of the world as well. Many people in Europe and outside of it want to see the Holy Roman Empire resurrected. They are looking to the Catholic Church and the European Union for this revival. They want to emphasize the good and ignore the evil, and thereby change people's perceptions of the truth concerning the empire. The trouble is, whenever leaders get more power, they abuse it and are hungry for more. Every time, in every empire, it has been cruelty and violence perpetrated by the leaders and the emperor. Often it was in collaboration with, or at the behest, of the religious leaders. Emperors become calloused to human life. So, from modest origins, the Habsburgs gained control of the Holy Roman Empire in the 15th century. Then, in just a few decades, especially through intermarriage, their possessions rapidly expanded to take in a large part of Europe, stretching from Hungary to Spain, and parts of the New World and the Far East. The late Otto von Habsburg, the last reigning monarch of the Habsburg dynasty in exile, had the dream to revive the old empire in the form of the European Union. Is it any wonder that we have the following statement in the book Great Controversy, page 615? Romanism in the Old World and apostate Protestantism in the New will pursue a similar course toward those who honor all the divine precepts. This tells us very clearly that in the Old World, or Europe, Romanism will reassert her power. It was the Holy See that controlled the so-called United Europe during the Middle Ages, but now once again Rome intends to take the spiritual control of Europe to herself. In order to do this and fulfill the prophecy we have just read, Rome must be able to manipulate the economy and the politics of Europe. And she is working on this persistently by her hidden hand. The European Union is seeking to unite all the nations, states of Europe under the European Union. Rome is currently helping to assist them, and when it is completed, she will manifest herself as the one who is responsible for it. It will then be a holy Roman empire brought about by the Vatican itself in control of world leaders who, as the Bible describes, have committed fornication with her. Ambrose Evans Pritchard wrote in a telegraph explaining that Germany has almost solitary control of the European Union. It is simply unthinkable that the EU can survive as a reconstituted Holy Roman Empire governed by Berlin. But it is happening. Maybe very few people believe it, but it is happening. In fact we are aware that it will be an overwhelming surprise that comes upon the world at the end of time, and it will surprise even the elect, though they will have the Holy Spirit to hold them steady during that time. Let's read it from Prophets and Kings, page 626. Christians should be preparing for what is soon to break upon the whole world as an overwhelming surprise. This preparation they should make by diligently studying the Word of God and by striving to conform their lives to its precepts. So you can't make preparation by looking at current events. The study of current events is important, but it is not the preparation you need to stand when you are overwhelmed with accusations or opposition. That comes by surrender to God and the study of his word. I'll read on. The tremendous issues of eternity demand of us something besides an imaginary religion, a religion of words and forms, where truth is kept in the outer court. Is truth being kept in the outer court in your life? Let the truth sink in and change your life. There is nothing like knowing and living the truth that will give you the connection with Jesus, and he will guide you through the maze of deception and web of lies. Reading on. God calls for a revival and a reformation. The words of the Bible and the Bible alone should be heard from the pulpit, but the Bible has been robbed of its power, and the result is seen in a lowering of the tone of spiritual life. Is that happening today? Has the truth been robbed of its power even in the church? You see, the enemy is doing everything he can to destroy the influence of the truth in the church. And he's been quite successful, especially by mixing it with some error. Let's read some more. In many sermons of today, there is not that divine manifestation which awakens the conscience and brings life to the soul. The hearers cannot say, Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us by the way and while he opened to us the scriptures? Luke twenty-four thirty-two. When you go to church and listen to a sermon, is your conscience and your soul awakened? Does your heart burn with love for souls? Does the sermon really impress you with present truth? Or is it just an insipid presentation of a mixture of truth and error? There are many who are crying out for the word of God, longing for the divine presence, Let the word of God speak to the heart. Let those who have heard only tradition and human theories and maxims hear the voice of him who can renew the soul unto eternal life. So, the best way to prepare for the coming crisis is to immerse yourself in the word of God. And in tandem with that, share it with souls that are lost. This is not European style. To a European, personal religion is generally a private matter. The public part of it is political, a matter of state. Roman Catholicism is a religion of forms, rites, rituals, and it is not intended to convert the soul to Jesus. Instead, the soul is converted to Rome and serves the political church. And Rome uses many devices to accomplish this. The Habsburgs were Catholic, and in medieval times people believed that the only way to heaven was by living the Catholic faith. If you were a ruler of the Holy Roman Empire, whether high station or low, you were Catholic. Your identity was only valid if you were Catholic. And if you were the emperor as well as a king or noble, you were expected to see that your subjects under your dominion were also living the Catholic faith. Forced allegiance to the Catholic Church was an act of charity because it supposedly helped others to reach eternal salvation. The idea of the separation of church and state was a foreign idea to the Habsburgs who ruled Europe, and modern leaders have the same or similar viewpoint. But separation of church and state is the basis of freedom, which took root in the New World and then spread to Europe and challenged its imperial foundations. Today, the separation of church and state is taken to an extreme. Any public display of religious faith must be strictly limited in some people's minds. But if religion is entirely excluded from the public square, then it can have no influence. This extreme view of the separation of church and state will cause a Hegelian reaction the other way back toward a political law a rule that requires citizens to behave or act in a certain way. Sunday worship is a sign of Rome's authority. Rome cannot survive without Sunday worship. All that Rome is rests upon Sunday worship, and so she is seeking to establish or reestablish Sunday worship throughout the world. And she is determined. She will use whatever means she can, including bribery, intimidation, persecution, to make Sunday laws that are oppressive and opposed to God's law. She seeks to change times and laws. Daniel 7.25 predicts this. And he shall speak great words against the Most High, and shall wear out the saints of the Most High, and think to change times and laws, and they shall be given into his hand until a time and times and the dividing of a time. So she will demand that rulers in the tradition of the Habsburg dynasty make laws so that everyone will worship on Sunday and reject the Sabbath of the Lord. Many of the rulers see that they are ruling by Rome's authority, and they will comply with her demands. When the Habsburgs were crowned as emperors, they first received communion and swore on a relic containing the blood of St. Stephen, supposedly the first Christian martyr. And they received vestments that looked like what a bishop wore, This was intentional to show that the emperor was divinely ordained. This was not just a political affair, but a religious event. The papal church did everything it could to link the crown with the mitre. And today Rome still tries to link the papal crown to the civil crown. It matters not whether the rulers are presidents or prime ministers, monarchs or dictators, it's all the same to her. She will work with him when she can, all the while promoting the idea that rulers are divinely appointed and that Rome has the divine authority to tell them what they must do. Of course, the authority of the Holy Roman Emperor came, it was claimed, ultimately from Christ through the Pope. This made the Being Catholic crucial to ruling in those days. Being Catholic was their identity. The Habsburgs still carry that identity. This ultimately led to the Habsburg family cooperating with Roman Catholic rulers and committing some of the worst atrocities of history. Their history is rather whitewashed now, but the fact is that these were despotic rulers. Their league with Rome led to wars, persecution, pogroms, murder, and cruelty. The old saying that power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely certainly held true. Today, history is being rewritten to make the church appear as a victim of grasping rulers. The Reformation is merely treated as an opportunity or temptation for dukes, princes, and kings to persecute Catholics and to take away the property of the church, which had huge resources and possessions, and in the process replenished the empty coffers of the state. The significance of The religious awakening that swept Europe is downplayed in an effort to promote the idea of the Holy Roman Empire. The Counter-Reformation under Ferdinand II, who was also a Habsburg ruler and a devout Catholic, effectively reignited the Catholic faith in Europe. The Council of Trent especially strengthened the legal and theological basis of the Counter-Reformation. And since that time, there have always been those who longed for empire again. The Catholic Church used the Council of Trent to justify themselves and place them back on the throne of Europe and regain the power of the Habsburgs. The Reformation, however, could not be stamped out in a short time. Eventually, the founding of America established liberty and freedom, especially religious freedom, and the West could not be subjugated to Rome until modern times. Eventually, the Ottoman Empire took away the rest of the lands and power of the Habsburgs. Rome hates liberty of conscience, as does the enemy of all mankind. Let's read it from Great Controversy, page 564. The author is quoting Josiah Strong in his book, Our Country. There are many who are disposed to attribute any fear of Roman Catholicism in the United States to bigotry or childishness. Such see nothing in the character and attitude of Romanism that is hostile to our free institutions, or find nothing... Pretentious in its growth. Let us then first compare some of the fundamental principles of our government with those of the Catholic Church. The Constitution of the United States guarantees liberty of conscience. Nothing is dearer or more fundamental. Pope Pius IX, in his encyclical letter of August 15, 1854, said, The absurd and erroneous doctrines or ravings in defense of liberty of conscience are a most pestilential error, a pest of all others most to be de- dreaded in a state. The same Pope, in his encyclical letter of December 8, 1864, anathemized Those who assert the liberty of conscience and of religious worship. Also, all such as maintain that the church may not employ force. The Pacific tone of Rome in the United States does not imply a change of heart. She is tolerant where she is helpless. Says Bishop O'Connor, religious liberty is merely endured until the opposite can be carried into into effect without peril to the Catholic world. The Archbishop of St. Louis once said, heresy and unbelief are crimes. And in Christian countries, as in Italy and Spain, for instance, where all the people are Catholics, and where the Catholic religion is an essential part of the law of the land, they are punished as other crimes. Every cardinal, archbishop, bishop in the Catholic Church takes an oath of allegiance to the Pope, in which occur the following words, heretics, schismatics, and rebels to our said Lord, the Pope, or his aforesaid successors, I will to my utmost persecute and oppose. Many nations in Europe had to create some sort of constitutional government similar to that which America has developed. The European Union has to undo all of this, and it could not have been created without a long process of treaties and agreements by unelected officials and bureaucrats. At first... They worked in secret, then more openly as the European Union took shape. Starting with the European Economic Community, which they said was never to become a political unity, but that was a lie. It became a political unity, however, when the European Union emerged. The whole purpose was and is to resurrect the Holy Roman Empire. It was the same way that Rome worked to establish herself in the first place. Let's read it in Greek Controversy, page 49. Little by little, at first in stealth and silence, and then more openly as it increased in strength and gained control of the minds of men, the mystery of iniquity, carried forward its deceptive and blasphemous work. Deception is of the enemy. He can only tell lies. Oh, he tells some truths, but he he cannot tell a truth without mixing it with lies. Heaven can only tell the truth. Heaven will never tell you lies. I don't want to be caught up in lies at the end of time. To come up to the judgment and realize that you have believed lies all your life and therefore lost your salvation would be devastating. We need Jesus to give us truth to live by and emancipate us from the dominion of lies and deception. As we come to the end of time and the Holy Roman Empire is being resurrected We are staring at a terrible time for God's people. When the Sunday laws are enacted and persecution roils the church of God, we will need to depend on the Savior for even our bread and water. I don't know how long that will be from now, but I know that I must be united with Christ and given over to loyalty to him. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, we realize that this world is changing. Satan is working to create systems of control that remove liberty and freedom. You're going to let him do it because as your spirit is being withdrawn from the earth, Satan's lying spirit will have more power. Please help us to see that power for what it is. Give us of your Holy Spirit of discernment that we may understand the hidden hand in our world today. And thank you for being with us and sustaining us. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you have been greatly blessed by this month's message. Your prayers and gifts mean so much to us. Thank you for your support. The song you have just heard is called May the Lord Find Us Faithful, sung by the Three Angels Chorale. It is recorded on a CD with other beautiful hymns called On Our Journey Home. If you would like a copy of the CD, just send $16 postpaid, and we will gladly send you one. International listeners should send $20 USD. Be sure and mention the On Our Journey Home CD. The following is our prophetic intelligence briefing, a feature that brings you current events in light of prophecy, especially for those who love the appearing of Jesus Christ. We can see the signs of the times telling us that we are nearing the world's great crisis and that the coming of the Lord is near. May the Lord find us faithful indeed.
1: Our first item this month, AI Chief warns deadliest pandemics ever on horizon with genetic engineering. One of the biggest threats facing the planet is a super pandemic warns the co-founder of Google DeepMind AI technology. Mustafa Suleiman is the billionaire co-founder of the computer giant's DeepMind, but warns it's not robots that pose the most danger to mankind. He claims the ability to cook up a Delhi pandemic at home is likely to become commonplace before the end of this decade. Mustafa says that in the next five years or so, a kid in Russia could download the instruction set for a pandemic that's more lethal than anything we have encountered so far. He told the diary of a CEO podcast, quote, that's where we need containment. We have to limit access to the tools and the know-how to carry out that kind of experimentation. We are really experimenting with dangerous materials. Anthrax is not something that can be bought over the internet that can be freely experimented with. The very best of these tools in a few years time are going to be capable of creating new synthetic pandemic pathogens and so we have to restrict access to those things. Discussing the future of genetic engineering, he warned, quote, I think that the darkest scenario there is that people will experiment with synthetic pathogens that might end up accidentally or intentionally being more transmissible. They can spread faster or be more lethal. Similarly, he said advanced AI technology is getting cheaper and easier to obtain at an alarming rate thanks to the tech being made open. It means anyone can get their hands on the technology and use it to help them cheat on their exams or cook up a virus that could paralyze the world. That's why, Mustafa says, an international treaty, including America's perceived enemies, such as Russia and China, needs to be agreed to limit the use of advanced AI and genetic manipulation. Quote, there's a shared goal that is between us and China and every other enemy, that we want to create, we've all got a shared interest in advancing the collective health and well-being of humans and and humanity, he says. Quote, For nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines, and pestilence, and earthquakes in diverse places. Matthew 24, 7 Next, Pope Entrust Apostolic Journey to Mongolia to Our Lady Pope Francis traveled across Rome on Wednesday afternoon to make a brief stop at the Basilica of St. Mary Major. This is the 111th time the Holy Father has visited the papal basilica to pray at the icon before or upon his return from an apostolic journey. The Pope took a moment to pray before the ancient icon of Maria Salus Populi Romani according to the Holy See press office. He entrusted his upcoming apostolic journey to Mongolia to the protection of the Blessed Virgin Mary. The Holy Father departs on the afternoon of Thursday, 31 August, for Ulaanbaatar and returns to Rome on Monday for September. Mongolia wonders after. Quote, and I saw one of his heads as it were wounded to death, and his deadly wound was healed, and all the world wondered after the beast. Revelation 13.3 Next, Bank of America closes accounts Tied to Christian outreach ministry. Did Bank of America discriminate against a Tennessee ministry over its Christian views, or was it simply a business matter? Steve Happ, board member and founder of Indigenous Advance, a Memphis based charity that, along with Indigenous Advance Customer Center LLC, has partnered with and served Indigenous people in Uganda since 2015 to provide basic needs and share the gospel. Despite holding deposit and credit card accounts with Bank of America since its inception, Indigenous Advance received a series of letters in April in which the bank announced it was closing the group's accounts within 30 days. According to the nonprofit legal group Alliance Defending Freedom the only explanation provided in the letters was that upon review of the accounts, we have determined you're operating in a business type we have chosen not to service at Bank of America. The group's deposit account had over $270,000, according to ADF. A partner entity, Indigenous Advanced Customer Center, LLC, and a church operating at the group's address, Servants of Christ Community, DBA, University House of Prayer, UHOP, received similar letters closing their accounts. Happ said after experiencing shock and confusion upon receiving one of the letters that referenced Indigenous Advance's business type, he reached out multiple times to Bank of America. Quote, I asked them, what type of business do you think we are? And they wouldn't answer me, he told the Christian Post via phone Wednesday. They said, I'm sorry, we cannot give you that information. Far from being simply an inconvenience, Hap said Bank of America's actions significantly disrupted the group's outreach and impact. Quote, when they closed the accounts, it meant that people who are dependent on us couldn't eat, he said. To us, it's not that big of a deal if your paycheck is delayed for a day or two. But for Ugandans, they live day to day trying to find where they're going to find their next meal. Hap said due to the bank's actions, Indigenous Advance couldn't pay its employees or provide their ministry partners with donations until Hap returned to the states to sort out the issue. In a statement shared with CP, a spokesperson for Bank of America said, quote, religious beliefs are not a factor in any account closing decision. But rather it was debt collection services provided by Indigenous Advance's customer Center." that led to the account closures. After a complaint was filed with the Tennessee Attorney General's office, it's still unclear whether the state will open an investigation. But regardless of the outcome, ADF Senior Counsel and Senior Vice President for Corporate Engagement Jeremy Tedesco said Bank of America and other large banks are leveraging their own risk tolerance policies in order to box out disfavored legal business operations. The practice, said Tedesco, started during the Obama administration under Operation Chokepoint, which sought to eliminate fraud in the U.S. banking system, but was criticized by Republicans and other industry advocates before it was shut down in 2017 under the Trump DOJ. Tedesco said Operation Chokepoint used reputational risk as a tool to get the federal regulators to push banks to push certain industries out of banking privileges and access to services. And many have opened the door to further debank Christians, conservatives, and other aligned groups which hold certain views the progressive left doesn't like. Quote, So now it's reputationally risky to serve Christian or other organizations that the left disagrees with, he added. Quote, and he causeth all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads, and that no man might buy or sell, save he that had the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Revelation thirteen sixteen and 17. Next, Pope at Audience, W.Y.D. in Portugal was an encounter with Christ. This was how Pope Francis assessed his recent apostolic journey to Lisbon, Portugal, for the occasion of the 37th World Youth Day. The Holy Father's comments came on Wednesday at his weekly general audience in the Vatican, marking the first since his traditional July break, which took place in Vatican's Paul VI Hall to provide some comfort amid the intense Roman sun. At the audience, the Pope reflected on his visit and great fruits it provided. God, the Pope recalled, set in motion the young people's hearts and steps to go and find Jesus. God is Father and loves all his children. World Youth Day, he stressed, is an encounter with the living Christ through the Church, an encounter that makes one grow in faith and where many discover God's call, often to marriage, to consecrated life to the priesthood. For each and every person, he said, it is the joy of discovering that they are called by grace to be part of the people of God, a different people, sent to proclaim to all peoples the joyful gospel of Christ, that God is Father and loves all his children, present to encounter Christ. The Pope praised the great numbers faith and enthusiasm of the young people recalling in a special way that the young people of Ukraine brought with them a very sorrowful account, an experience quite different than other pilgrims. The Holy Father suggested that they, like many of the young people, were present at the World Youth Day to meet Christ. May Mary bless the young In conclusion, the Holy Father prayed that the Blessed Virgin Mary may bless the young people of the world and the Portuguese people before leading everyone in the Vatican's Paul VI Hall in praying a Hail Mary. The Holy Father's visit to Portugal marks the first of three apostolic journeys between August and September. On 31 August to 4 September, he will travel to Mongolia, making him the first ever Pope to travel there. Later on in the month, the Pope will spend two days in Marseille, France, for an encounter about migration in the Mediterranean. Quote, then if any man shall say unto you, Lo, here is Christ, or there, believe it not. For there shall arise false Christ and false prophets, and shall show great signs and wonders, insomuch that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. Behold, I have told you before, Wherefore, if they shall say unto you, Behold, he is in the desert, go not forth. Behold, he is in the secret chambers, believe it not. For as the lightning cometh out of the east and shineth even unto the west, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Matthew twenty four twenty three 23-27 Next, Pope Francis meets with President of Madagascar. On Thursday, Pope Francis held a private audience with Mr. Andriy Nirina Rajolina, the President of the Republic of Madagascar, who later met with Monsignor Miroslav Wachowski under Secretary for Relations with States. The discussions held at the Secretary of State highlighted the positive bilateral relations enjoyed by the Holy See and Madagascar as well as the Catholic Church's contributions to many sectors of Malagasy society. International Issues According to a statement from the Holy See Press Office, their conversation encompassed various national and international topics. These included the ongoing war in Ukraine and its global repercussions, along with several crises affecting the African continent. Moreover, Both parties explored the potential of proceeding in the drafting of a bilateral agreement as a further sign of respectful collaboration. Memories of Pope's visit to Madagascar At the end of the 30-minute audience, Pope Francis invited President Rogelina and his delegation to take a group photo next to a miniature replica of the ship which the Pope received as a gift during his apostolic journey to Madagascar on 6-9, through 9, September 2019. After the photo, the Pope prayed a Hail Mary with those present in front of an image of Our Lady, which the bishops of Madagascar gave him. The Pope concluded the audience by imparting his apostolic blessing upon the President and his entourage. Madagascar wonders after. Quote, and they worshipped the dragon, which gave power unto the beast, and they worship the beast, saying, "Who is like unto the beast who is able to make war with him revelation thirteen four
0: Unfortunately, our time is up. Remember there are more prophetic intelligence briefings on our website at ktfnews.com it's been a great pleasure to spend this time with you. I hope you have been encouraged to live for Jesus, for we are near the end. Remember that God has a plan for your life, and that right now you can make a new start with Jesus. Thank you for your prayers and support. And until next time, may God bless and keep you and your family in His loving and protecting
2: care. Keep the faith.